<laughs> wow. I love this place. I do. I do. Well, I love it. I just do. Goodness gracious. I'm over here worshiping, and, and I just, Jesus is here. Let's just, come on. Let's give it up for Jesus. Let's give it up for Jesus. You know, whether you are on our Noonan or LaGrange campus, if you have ever lost someone who has served in the armed forces, or if you are currently serving, would you do me a favor and just stand up, please? Just stand up all around the room. Yeah. On behalf of our pastor and our church, thank you for your service. Thank you. You make this country what it is, and I absolutely love this country. And so we appreciate you. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. I absolutely love the season I'm in. Beach camp. Yeah, 400 tomorrow. Get excited. They are coming whether we're ready or not, so I hope we're ready. We have Pine Cove coming up. We also have a bunch of people staying at my house, and I absolutely love it. Just kidding. If you know anything about me, you know that I need my space. I do. If you've ever been to a movie or, or a, a concert or a game, someone once asked me, why do you always kind of sit down and around the sides? You have to be on an aisle. And I'm like, because I need my space. Because if something happens, I'm the first one out. I am. It's just who I am. But as I was preparing and praying a couple months ago, God um, rocked my world a little bit. And he reminded me of one of the most difficult times in my marriage. You got to love it when that happens. You got to love it. Kendi and I were three years in, and, and, and for three years we had struggled. We had an eight-year-old at the time. No, sorry, we had a five-year-old and a new baby, and now they were three and eight. I'm getting my times mixed up. I'm a little tired. But they were three and eight. And my need for space and my lack of awareness of the season we are in had created a really big divide. Now, for those of you that don't know, Kendi was a single mom before we got married. And for five years, she had raised this little precious boy. He's 16, he's 16 now. He's not so precious. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's good. He's just not precious. But for five years, she had raised this precious boy all by herself. Done an excellent job. And then I came in with all my knowledge of parenting, because I had a younger brother and a nephew about his age, because that qualifies me, and tried to change everything overnight. And so for three years we struggled. And we were both at a point that we were both 
praying to God. Either change him or change her or I'm out. But you know what? (laughs) Obviously, I'm standing here today. And I'm glad I serve a big God who shows grace and mercy. Because Kenny and I have now been married for 11 years. We have three kiddos, all in different stages and seasons of life. We serve a big God. We serve a church we adore. And we're loving it. And we love it. Now, we've had to do a lot to get to that point. Believe me. There have been a lot of times on my face, a lot of tears, a lot of stuff, a lot of counsel. But we got there. You know, if you think about it, there's a season for everything. Spring is for baseball. Fall is for football. Yeah. I like that. Winter is for hockey. However, hockey is extending into the summer and they are screwed up. I don't understand. You are on ice. That is winter. It is not your playoffs should be done. But can you imagine if we just kind of rearrange the seasons a little bit? Can you imagine the chaos if someone wore white pants in the winter? I mean, come on. Or if, if my brother from Colorado decided to wear his snowboarding jacket and snow pants to beach camp this week. He may get a little hot. But it's true. I mean, there would be complete chaos. And so when it comes to parenting, it's not any different. When we mix up the seasons of parenting, it can be chaos. When we mix them up and do them in a little bit different order, or kind of rearrange them, it can be chaos. And, and so, but when we navigate the seasons well, we find order and consistency in a world that is going mad around us. And so when we learn to to get our seasons right, we find order in chaos, or order in chaos. And that's what Kendi and I had to do. We had to figure out our seasons. Then we had to put them in order. And that's why we've been married 11 years. That's why we love it. Is it perfect? No. But we love it. But in order to navigate the seasons, we have to understand what seasons are and what we have to be able, and then we have to be able to identify what seasons our kids are in. You see, this whole idea of seasons can be found in Ecclesiastes. Now, some say that King Solomon actually wrote Ecclesiastes. And here's the cool thing, is that after becoming king of Israel, following his father, King David's death, God asked him, you can have anything you want in the world. What do you desire? Now, if God asked me what I want, I'm like, power and money. Right? I mean, come on. 
He's saying you can have anything in the world. But King Solomon says this. I just want to know wisdom. And understanding. That rocked my world. I want to be like that. I want to know wisdom. And understanding. And he wanted to receive the blessing of understanding life. And now although Solomon didn't directly speak about parenting in Ecclesiastes. His wise advice certainly helps apply to this subject. Because Ecclesiastes 3.1 says... For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. That applies to parenting as well. This reminds us that everything is under God's control. A time for every activity. That includes parenting. That includes raising our kiddos. Because he goes on in 3, 2, through. And in Ecclesiastes 3, 2 through 8, he highlights many of life's experiences that we find. Such as a time to plant and uproot. Times to cry and laugh and grieve and dance. Because some of you are dancing today because your kiddo just graduated yesterday. Yeah, you're like, they're out of the house. You also have a time to embrace and turn away. Times to search and quit searching. Times to tear and to mend. Times to speak and to keep quiet. Times to keep and to let go. So if God tells us there's a time and season for everything, then that includes parenting. I think these verses shed great light on what I believe to be are the four seasons of parenting. The first one is this, and if you want to write these down, I would love for you to. You see how I did that? The season of serving, a time to plant, embrace, to speak, a time to keep. If you think about it, this season never really goes away. It just kind of changes over time. I mean, but I mean, if you have a kiddo in the range of zero to like five, how many of you have a a parent or a parent of a toddler. How many? Raise your hands. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Because the only time you get away is when you shut the bathroom door and lock it. Because if you don't lock it, they're coming in to surprise you. <laughs> Seriously. I had to do that with, started doing that with Briggs. He's my two-year-old. He loves to hang out with daddy. Sometimes daddy just needs alone time. <laughs> shut the door. But you do, you understand. But some of you also have the 16-year-old that keep asking you for things. And so you serve them. Yeah. Yeah. Now you see, you have to die to your own needs to serve theirs. You have to die to your own needs. Now that doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean you completely neglect yourself. In this season, that doesn't mean, dads, you completely neglect your wife, or wives, you completely neglect your husbands. If you're a single parent, that doesn't mean you never take time for yourself. And here's why. If you never take time for yourself, and, not, and you don't take time to get refreshed, your kids will eventually wear that. 
they'll wear it. And then that's kind of when you start seeing some issues. If you're stressed, your kids are going to be stressed. I mean, I remember when, when Zay was five. We were stressed. We were living in an apartment literally the size of this box. Didn't have any money. I was stressed. He was stressed. I never took time to just refresh, to get away. I had to do that this week, to be honest. I did it yesterday with my beautiful bride. We just kind of went for a drive. I had to. I had to clear my mind. If you don't know about taking 400 students to beach camp, come follow me next year. I'll show you. But I did. So take time for each other if you are married. Because if you don't, you will be divorced quickly. You've got to take time. If you're single, go get a mani-pedi. If you're a man, go to a movie. Take time. Get refreshed. Get on your knees. Spend some Jesus time. Find that place at the lake that you need to go and just pray. You've got to get refreshed. You've got to keep Jesus number one. That's the most important thing. You see, serving should come out of love, not out of an I have to do this attitude. You get to be a parent. And God chose you to be a parent. So don't think it's some, oh my gosh, I have to. No. Parenting is a get-to thing. And when God placed that kid in your life, he's saying, hey, guess what? I trust you. I trust you to raise them up. I trust you to raise them up to love me. That's awesome. And it breaks my heart to see parents who parent in their spare time. It breaks my heart. Because Galatians 5.13 says, For you were called to freedom. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. This verse goes for parenting as well. When we serve out of love, we aren't enabling our kids or giving them everything they want. Because when you serve out of love, you understand the difference between enablement and a need. There's a big difference. And when we serve out of love, we get it. That goes for anything. When you serve out of love, it's not that you're giving someone. You are doing what God has called you to do. You know, this is... Serving your kids means you are willing to lay down your life so that they will see Jesus in you no matter the cost. That's what serving is. Serving your kids means you're willing to lay down your life so that they see Jesus. That's what Jesus did. He laid down his life for you and for me. He was the perfect example of serving his kids. So how are you serving? The second season of life is this. The season of discipline. To uproot, to grieve, to turn away or to speak. This is the season of parenting that I've really had to work on over the years. I just did. 
It's something I struggle with. Because I incorporated discipline with punishment, and the two just don't go together. In fact, um, I've had to apologize to my oldest. Because for the first several years, I punished. And I didn't discipline. I didn't display a servant's heart because I didn't understand what season we were in. And so I've had to apologize. And you know what, parents? It's okay to apologize. Dads, it's okay to apologize. Here's what apologizing to your kids does. It shows them that you're real. It shows them that you love them. And it shows them that you're like Jesus. It's okay to apologize. Because you know what? We're human. We make mistakes. If we expect them to love people, we've got to love people. And that means apologizing. And so I think it's okay. I do it quite often. Proverbs 13, 24, though, says, Whoever spares the rod hates their children. But the one who loves their children is careful to discipline. If you think about it, those are two very powerful words. Hate and careful. I mean, if you do not discipline your kids, you hate them. However, it says, be careful in discipline. Be careful. You've got to do it sparingly. You've got to do it quick. But most importantly, you've got to be consistent and present in your discipline. If you're not consistent and present, you're going to fail. Because if you're not consistent and they can do whatever they want, then they're just going to be like, oh, okay, he doesn't really mean, well, there's the crazy dad again. Or there's Maddie Daddy. That's what I get called from Ryland. Maddie Daddy's here. That's awesome. I just pray Briggs doesn't pick that up, but I think he already is. But you got to be consistent. Dads, you, you can't. You can't discipline if you're never there. You got to be present. It doesn't matter if you travel or not. You can still be present. Dad, you get, we got to take, we got to, we got to do something about this world we live in. And it starts with us. Be present at home. Be present. And because here's the thing. If you don't discipline, you set your kids up for failure. Because all it does is create an entitlement attitude that gets them in trouble later in later years of their life. I have some friends who were never disciplined. Most of those friends are in jail. Because they felt like they we somebody owed them something. Felt like somebody they they, they were always owed something. Oh, give me this, give me that. That's mine. No, it's not. They were never disciplined. It also sets them up for failure. Even if they don't end up in jail, they they end up with this entitlement attitude. And and typically, when you kind of grow up and you always have that entitlement attitude, typically people don't really like to be around you. Because you're always right. You don't know how to react to people. You don't know when to say when or when to shut your mouth. 
This is from experience. I lived in a house for the first 16 years that disciplined well. My mama disciplined me. We've got to discipline. You either pay now or play later, or play now or pay later. You get that? My stepdad used to tell me that. And he told me that as I was, as I was becoming a dad. He said, son, you know what? You either pay now and play later, or you're going to play now and pay later. Here's what that means. Boundaries, when they're young, start them out like this and expand as you go. Because if you try and do this and trying to come here, good luck. It doesn't work. So it's okay to parent right here for a while. It's okay. We've got to start here and work our way out. Because aren't we glad God doesn't punish? God disciplines out of love. You see, I think God, God created this whole thing because he's like, you know what? Punishment focuses on the past and anger. Punishment usually equals resentment. And I see that. When I, when I kind of explode on my kids or, you know, I get loud, I mean, they get angry. Equals resentment. But when I discipline, discipline is out of love and looks towards the future. Discipline wants them to be somewhere in five years. Punishment cares about what they've just done. It doesn't help them out. But discipline gets them to the future. Discipline sets, sets them up for success. So discipline equals love. God loves us. He disciplines us. He does not punish us. Discipline focuses on the future and equals love. If there's one thing I hope you hear today, I hope you hear that one. I hope you hear that one. It's not easy to discipline. It's not. It's not easy. It's tough. But you know what? Your kids will appreciate it in the end. Your kids will appreciate that you love them enough to discipline them. You love them enough to discipline them. The next season is the season of coaching. To plant and uproot. Times to cry, laugh, and dance. Times to embrace and turn away. Times to search. Times to tear and to mend. Times to speak and to keep quiet. And times to keep. These years during the coaching season can be some of the best of your life. They can also, and more than likely, will be some of the toughest. It's just a matter of life. If you have a kiddo in the age, probably age range of about 11 and 12 to 16, you're coaching. But coaching really never ends. In fact, I was with my mama last night. And my mama was coaching me. I'm 36 years old. But I asked my mom, because you know what? I trust my mom. I respect my mom. 
I called my dad the other day because I respect my dad. He still coaches me. If my grandpa was here, he'd still be coaching me. He'd watch this later tonight. He'd call me tomorrow and he'd say, here's what you did good and here's the thing you did bad. He was a coach. He was a coach. This is the season where you will hear your child say, get away from me. I need my space. But if you listen close and sometimes they're not going to speak it, they will see, wait, I still need you. Come here. I still need you. I still need you. That's because they do. You got to keep the communications, uh, the line of communications open. You got to listen to your kids and hear their heart. Sometimes you don't have to speak when they're speaking. Just listen to them. They're going to tell you what they feel. You got to listen and hear what they're saying. You know, there's a lot of times, and I'm using myself as an example just because I am. Where I, I will be quick to speak. Rylan will be sharing me a story, and I'll be, well, well baby, I don't know. Just, you know, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, Dad, just listen to me. So listen and hear what they have to say. That'll stop some of the arguments. To have a great coaching season, be positive. Make it fun. If we're always focusing on the negative, they're going to be negative. You hear what I'm saying? If we po- focus on the, oh, hey, you got a B, why didn't you get an A? Now, I'm not saying that your kiddo didn't spend time studying and they just didn't get the A. But I'm saying when the best they can do, they've studied the whole time, and you focus on why didn't you get an A? Or if your son or daughter is an athlete, and you focus on, well, you got second place, why didn't you get first? Should have worked harder. Now, as a coach, you want to share with them, here's what you did really well. Here's a couple things you got to work on. I had a great coach growing up. Great coach. He always focused on the positive. He gave us about 10 or 15 things we did really well. And then for that day at practice, he'd focus on one or two things that we didn't. But he always focused on the positive. We believed we could do anything because he focused on the positive. I mean, we did. We believed we would run through a brick wall. If he said, here guys, here's how you're going to run through that brick wall. We would believe that we could do it because he always focused on the positive. Your kids will run through a brick wall for you. Focus on the positive. 1 Corinthians 13, 7 says this. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Replace that with a parent. A parent bears all things. A parent believes all things. A parent hopes all things. A parent endures all things. You want to be a great parent? Then love and coach your kids. That's what a parent does. When you coach them well, you increase their confidence. And we need more kids with confidence. You want to know why we have the Baltimores 
and the St. Louis and the riots and the disrespect because we have kids who don't have confidence in who they are. We have kids who've never grew up believing they could be something in life. When you coach well, you create confidence. When you coach well, you create kids who believe they can go out and change the world. And that's what we need more of. You think I get excited about it? I get excited because I'm passionate about it. I get excited because I believe that we've got kids sitting all across our ministry who could go out and change the world. All they need is a little nudge from mom and dad. They just need a vote of confidence. And when you coach well, the last season becomes a lot easier. The season of trust. The season of trust. To speak and to keep quiet and to let go. How many of you have students that drive? (laughs) You're in this season. It still scares me. How many of you have see, have a kiddo student who just graduated? Or in college, you're in this season deep. You're in this season deep. But here's the cool thing. We can trust our kids to a big God. Because he doesn't break his promises. You see, God's promises are built on himself. God's promises are guaranteed because of who he is. I mean, his promises are built on his character. He puts his character on the line. He puts his character on the line. And God's character doesn't run and it doesn't lie. He doesn't break them. I mean, seriously, are we going to put our trust in ourselves? I mean, that's like putting your 401k into your two-year-old's hands and saying, go, go get it. Go get it. Or are we going to put our trust in the hands of the big God and the creator of the world who doesn't let you down. Jeremiah 17, five through eight says this, and, and I was shown this this week in my quiet time. And it was very appropriate. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. He is like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. But here's the good part. Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes. 
for its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. I don't know about you, but I love the water, and I want my roots to be close, and I want my roots to be replenished, and I want my roots to be watered. I don't like the heat, but I know if I'm close to water, I'm okay. And when we put our trust into a big God, our roots are close to water. We'll never be thirsty. You're still their coach. You taught them, and they're going to respect you. And they'll still come to you for coaching. I still go to my mama. I still go to my dad. Because I respect them. Because they were there for me no matter what. They coached me well. You're still their coach. And each season is equally important. And one builds on the next. Each one is imperative to your child's success. You see, a lot of parents, they go from being a servant and they jump straight to the trust factor without doing any discipline and without doing any coaching. And then here's what happens. Failure. So you got to build on each season. you got to build. you got to do each one well. I have parents all the time say, well, you know, the trust thing, then what can I do for them? There's one thing that's constant over all the seasons. Prayer. Prayer. My mom used to tell me, Cameron, I don't know what you're going to do, but I just pray that if you're doing something you shouldn't, you're going to get caught. I pray that over my son. He, he doesn't like it. In fact, my mom still prays for my brother that way. And, and my mom and my sister were talking the other day. And my sister goes, you know, mom, it might be time for you to stop praying that prayer. But she's like, nah, I'm going to keep praying it. You know what? You want to know what you can pray for your kids? Pray that they love Jesus. Pray that they love the church. And pray that they will go out and be a world changer. That's how you can pray for your kids. You know, if you think about it, (laughs) the moment we decided to have kids, we made a commitment. We made a commitment. And the commitment can't be done in our spare time. Because no matter what we do, we're modeling something for our kids. No matter if you're there or not, you're modeling something. Whatever you do, you're modeling. And if we would serve like the Bible teaches us to serve, if we would discipline like the Bible teaches us to discipline, if we would coach like Jesus coached, And if we would trust in a big God, we wouldn't have the Baltimores. We wouldn't have the riots, the disrespect. We would actually see a world that's a better place. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that what we want? 
We need to stop making excuses and start parenting the way God's called us to parent. Because it starts with us. It starts with parents and grandparents. It starts with us. As we close today, every head bowed, every eye closed. I know there's some parents in here. I know there's some parents in here who are struggling. I know because I get the phone calls. There's hope for you. And that hope's in Jesus. Maybe there's a marriage in here who is just struggling because you failed to realize the season you're in. There's hope for you. That hope is in Jesus Christ. And maybe you're a first-time guest with us, and, 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 or maybe you're someone who's been here a couple weeks, and you're saying, you know what, I, I want to know more about this Jesus thing. Well, guess what? There's hope for you, and the hope is in Jesus. There's hope. But if we'll allow God to guide our parenting, we'll be successful. But today as we pray, if there is anyone in here who doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. It's very simple. All you have to do is, 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 is say in your very own words, Jesus, I pray that you would come into my life. Remove my sins. And be with me the rest of my days. I thank you for the cross. And I thank you for what you did to make my freedom happen. And if you need to say that, I pray that you would just take this moment right here. You only have to say it one time in your life. You didn't do anything to receive Jesus. All you've got to do is ask him to come in and then live for him. Take that moment if you've never done that. Because without him, it's going to be really hard for you to parent. And now I know there's some parents in the room and, and there's some husbands and wives who are just struggling. And, and you may be like I was several years ago with Kindy where we just had to go down, we had to get on our knees. Together, if you need to, you can turn around, you can put your arm around your wife. You can say, you know what, we gotta make this thing right. Make it right today. If you need help, you know what, call us. We wanna help walk you through it. That's why Chris Pascal and I are here, to help walk you through things. But there may be some parents who just, just need to go to Jesus in prayer. Do that right now. Just take the next couple of minutes to just spend time alone in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. Father God, I thank you for who you are and how big you are. Jesus, I thank you for the fact that you have allowed me to be here with the church that my wife and I absolutely adore. 
Father, I pray for the parents who are dealing with the, the students and the kids who are just being rascals and, and, and who are just feel like they're just so don't know what to do that they're about to. I pray that today they would just spend time alone with you, that they would hear from you, that they would see your face today because you are a big God. I've seen you heal the kiddos who didn't look like they had any hope. I've seen you heal the marriages that look like they didn't have any hope. Father, I pray today that you would heal some marriages, that you would heal some parenting, that you would heal some kiddos. I pray today that we would just seek you as our hope. Father, I pray today that we would just live for you, that we would stop trying to parent any other way, that we would just focus on your word and how your word tells us to parent. Father, I pray for the person in here who who has made you their Lord and Savior today. I pray that you would guide them and lead them. I pray that it would help be the start of a great new life. And if they're a parent, it'd be the start of some great new parenting. Father, we love you and we thank you. In your name, amen.